We continue our divisional previews and we're heading to the Western Conference where we tackle a division that has a couple of middle tier teams, a lot of downright bad teams, a couple of sleepers and a couple of heavyweights. And uh, sometimes they change every year. At least I think so. Episode 380 of the Lace Up Podcast starts right now. It's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Dubuff. And uh, we're going to the Pacific Division, Brett. And, uh, well, uh, in alphabetical order, let's go with probably the worst team out of all of them. Potentially, uh, the yeah. NI Ducks, who are without two key RFAs still, because they don't have contracts. Yeah, I guess they are the worst. Um team in this division. They don't say might give them a run for their money, but yeah. in my opinion, no, I, to say. Today. I don't know. I mean, I guess that'll just be a talk when we talk about San Jose, but I, I feel like Anaheim might be better. Um, and I'll get into that in a second, just because of who's arriving. Um, so you have here at the start that Leo Carlson is arriving. I, I mean, I know that they drafted him, but, um, and, and he signed an ELC. However, I, um, it's unlike Bedard and uh, Fantilli, where I don't think he'll play right away. Um, he might be one more year left, but we'll see. Um, but uh, we do know that they got Alex Kalorn, they got Radko Gudis, they got Ilya Labushkin, um, Alex Stalock, Trevor Carrick, um, is it Robert Haig, um, and then... Um, this guy, Agozino, um, that sounds familiar, but I don't know enough Andrew to... Agozino, he's Andrew. more of an age-old journeyman, okay. but um, if they need veteran experience, I figure on a team that's not expected to do anything, he could be a guy that, Yep. if you need to plug up and down the lineup, it's worth adding. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, um, in terms of people going, Dallas Akins, I feel like I should say that first off. Uh, yeah, true, I forgot. <laughs> Uh, Matt, uh, Maxine Comtois, Kevin Shattenkirk, um, Anthony Stolars. Um, you know how bad that Shattenkirk signing is where I forgot, I was like, oh, I wonder who, uh, who got that guy. And then I remembered, I was like, oh, right, the Bruins got him. Um, <laughs> like, that's how forgotten he has been. Um, Anthony Stolars is also gone. Alex Schuster, John Moore. Um, Derek Grant, Nathan Bouillot, uh, Simon Benoit, Benoit, Jason Megna, and uh, 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 Delzato, Michael Delzato. Um, and yeah, and as uh, Steve has alluded to, Zegris and um, Drysdale are both unsigned RFAs still. I think that's like the only one really that... Um, in terms of all the RFAs that are still, like, yet to sign, and, and there are two of them. Yeah, there are four yeah. RFAs left, and they're easily the two biggest ones left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I will assume that Zegris will be signed. We don't know exactly when. I believe the, the factor is on term, um, or that's what I've heard. Um, so, but we'll see. It might just... 
reminds me back when um, Vancouver uh, had yet to sign Peterson and um, Quinn Hughes, but um, and they signed like like when training camp was basically over. So it might be the same thing, but we'll see. Um, Troy Terry did sign though, and that was a big one uh, for them this year. But now they're just trying to figure out okay what to do with Zegers. Um, and then yeah, Jamie Drysdale's another big one, but. Um, but on the same hand, and why I feel like they might be better than San Jose is, like, they have one of the best prospect systems in the entire league. Uh, they have this guy named Olin Zellweger. They have Pavel Minchikov, who they drafted last year. They have uh, Jackson Lacombe. They also have this guy, Tristan Lunau, um, where... Um, I, I think I've mentioned this stat on the show before, but in case I haven't, it's worth repeating. So Tristan Lunau, he plays um, in the QMJHL. Um, is that right? Um, yeah, I can't remember which team, but that's correct. Um, I don't know why. Okay. Um, yeah, so he plays in the QMJHL. Pavel Minchikov plays in the OHL. And Olin Zellweger plays in the WHL. And so all, th- all three of the CHL leagues, they're all defensemen. And not only did all three of them lead the league, their le- respective leagues in points by a defenseman, they, that was the best season by points in each three of those leagues. Um, so, so meaning that like Zellweger had the most points ever by a defenseman um, in the WHL, Minchikov had the most points ever by a defenseman in the OHL, and Lunau had the most points ever by a defenseman in the QMJHL. And that's not even to mention Leo Carlson, who we just talked about, Jackson Lacombe, um, Lucas Dostal. Um, they uh, they also have like a few other decent um, prospects in their pool. Um, and also, like, I, I feel like, um, yeah, Anaheim was bad last year, um, and they're probably not going to make the playoffs again, but as opposed to, like, San Jose, San Jose just pretty much, in terms of prospects, you just, like, who are going to play, um, this season, it's pretty much just William Eklund and Thomas Bordelow, um, whereas for the Anaheim Ducks, you have, like, a lot of guys who could end up becoming something, especially for a team that has lost so many defensemen in the years. Um, also, on top of that, you have, um, you know, guys that are uh, coming into their own, assuming Zegras is back and ready in time. You have him. You have Troy Terry, who's still pretty young. Mason McTavish, who's still pretty young. Um, like, they have a pretty good young team. Um, and I, I feel like they might be sneaky okay, sneaky decent. Um, I'm not yet ready to say that they're going to be, like, uh, they're not a playoff team just yet, but, um, but I think on top of that, as I've mentioned before, it's like, oh, they have, they lost Dallas Eakins, um, and he just wasn't a good coach. Um, so, and this new guy, I think it's like Cronin, um, is his name? He's, yeah, Greg Cronin. He's very much in line with, like, you know, he's very similar to a Mike Sullivan, Bruce Cassidy type um, who has, like, he worked in the AHL with a lot of these young guys. And that's a perfect fit for a coach like that um, who, um, 
who just needs like someone who just needs to like show the young players the ropes basically and isn't quite so concerned about playing the pros and um, and is more focused on developing the young guys, which is exactly what the Ducks are going to need to do. Um, of course, there is that speculation about like John Gibson tra- having a trade request and uh, things of that nature, but I don't know. I feel like there is some hope on the horizon for the Ducks, and it's not all like so misery-filled. Like, yeah, they didn't get Connor Bedard, and maybe it was a mistake that they should have drafted Fantilli, instead but on the other hand it's like they have they still have a pretty good team um and um so i i I think they'll they'll be um in good shape it's like you know it's just like a they're in like the middle of like oh we have to see we drafted all these prospects now it's to see who um like what prospects are actually gonna be the guys and what and just developing them into making them into pros. Um, so now they're into that phase in a way. Well, the other thing is they lost out on Connor Bedard, but the thing about the NIM Ducks is there is some quality talent yeah. in the top three in the upcoming drafts. Um, That's true, too. I believe it, Macklin Celebrini is yep. uh, the next guy up. He's projected number one by Consolidated Ranking, Daily Face Off, The Hockey News, and by TSN legend Bob McKenzie. Um, and um, he is eligible for this year's draft. And then uh, I think the year after, Michael Misa of the uh, Saginaw Spirit in the OHL is uh, projected to be one of uh, the rising stars in that draft, and he could be a first overall talent too. So they could still have good drafts down the line, even with another bad season this year. In terms of John Gibson, the thing that didn't help Gibson last year was that the Anaheim Ducks defense was easy to push over and they were getting eaten a lot, and that's why they were giving up so many shots. But now that you have Racco Gudis, granted you paid $4 million per year to get him, but you've got Racco Gudis, and uh, you had a little bit of toughness elsewhere in Robert Hag and Ilya Labushkin, I think the defense has improved slightly. And I don't think it's anywhere near good enough to make a playoffs or make a statement, but it's a, at the very least going to provide some form of insulation around Gibson yeah. and making his job easier. And, and despite all of that, again, I need to remind people, his GAA was near four, he had a 14-31 and 31 record, and his save percentage was still 899 despite all the BS he went through last year. And right. I, I know it doesn't count for much, but that's damn impressive when you have a save percentage of 899, despite getting smithereened by your own defense and all of the other teams in the NHL. Right. So right. there's that. Um, also, I think they get some leadership in Alex Malone, a guy who's been there, done that one cup, one two cups actually with Tampa. Yep. And again, they're paying him a lot of money, and it might not look good by the end of the contract, but at the moment... They're getting some veteran leadership to help these young guys along and learn the tools of the trade in terms of how to win uh, the games that you need to win in order to be a playoff team every year. Yeah. So I think that's definitely going to help. I just don't get why they're really playing it out with Drysdale and Segris. They're your big stars. I can probably understand the problem with the term. Zegers is probably going to go smart and say, hey, I want max three years. 
um, because I know in a couple of years when McDavid gets paid, the market's going to be reset, and I'm probably going to be worth more than what I am today, and I'm probably only going to get better. Yeah. So why should I sign like an eight-year extension with you guys, especially when you haven't really shown that you're a winner yet? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're, you're still on the up and up. But you haven't really shown any substance to me as to why I should stick around for a max deal right now. Yeah. Uh, so I can kind of see if if there's apprehension on Seagrass in terms of term, it's probably because he wants to take less term, not more term. Um, yeah. I, I don't know the I don't know the exact. You can't give me the argument that the Ducks don't want to pay these guys. They have all the salary in the world to do that. Uh, for the record, I don't know the exact. Uh, like if I, I think it might be that uh, Zegers wants more um, more years, but maybe maybe it's wrong. But either way, I I don't know the actual particulars, so I feel like we shouldn't necessarily speculate on that front. Yeah, I know, but if I've just given the situation, yep. um, I if I'm Zegers, no, totally I'm fair. probably asking for less term, like a two or three year bridge. Yeah, yeah, no, I totally get that. I'm just, bridge. I'm just saying, I don't know the exact like yeah. inner workings. Um, like to to add to your point about Mason McTavish, I agree. Like, uh, this guy is a rookie, yep. played relatively well, only a minus nineteen, which is pretty good when you consider yep. that Frank Vitrano is a minus twenty nine. Ryan Strom, a veteran in this league, was a minus thirty. And Trevor Segris wasn't looking too hot uh, either, so um, so for for a rookie, McTavish held his own in the ice time that he averaged, and he got 17 goals, which um, is probably like within the middle range of, of uh, scores in terms of forwards right now. Uh, the highest score uh, with 27 goals last year is Alex Kalorn, and uh, that's. Um, and um, I'm not quite sure what uh, how that compares with Trevor Segers because he's not uh, in the lineup right here. But Troy Terry got 23 in 70 yep. games, and uh, he's capable of really popping off for like 30 to 40 a season. So this was a team that struggled to score even when they were really rocking and rolling offensively. So um, if, if I had to say where this team probably slides into the picture – at the best case scenario, they're fun but bad, and they get a good system going under Cronin, and they're one of those sleeper teams that catches you off guard. Maybe they'll go on like a five-game winning streak in the middle of the year and just say, hey, here's what we could do yeah, yeah. Uh, and what we can be in a couple of years. But for the most part, um, they're probably going to lose like 40 to 45 games at least. Yeah, I mean, I guess they'll they'll still be pretty bad. It's just I feel like they'll be better. Uh, just be, simply because they don't have that uh, Dallas Eakins as a coach. Uh, Zegers had 65 points in 81 games last year. Um, now, they also have some contracts. I'm yeah. interested to see how those take out. Because uh, Adam Enrique is making 5.825, yeah. and his cap it ends after this year. Silverberg is at 5.25. His deal expires, and he can hit the open market as well. And there aren't really too many big names base to keep around so as the cap probably goes up by a couple of million mm. and more salary goes off the books the Ducks could be in a position to spend this offseason and yep. given the, um, this upcoming offseason given the fact that there are a lot of big names out there mm. they, they could be a sleeper and, and kind of snag one of those guys and sell them on their future so that's another reason yeah, why sure. maybe overperforming a little bit is going to help them down the road yeah, yeah that's, that's fair um, 
Yeah, and Alex Killorn had 64 points in 82 games last year, which is I didn't even realize. And he's like a de- he was a depth yeah. guy for the um, the th- Tampa Bay Lightning. So um, yeah, yeah, I'll just be Pretty curious good. to see. Brandon Hagel is a depth guy, and he yeah. got a 30 goal, 34 assist season. True. I mean, I'll just be curious to see how he does. It. I mean, he is a 34 year old, um, so like usually those guys don't like make a huge jump when they go to a new team, especially from, like, the Lightning to the Ducks. Um, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, he got paid very, very well. So um, he's probably not compa- complaining. Um, but, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Um, and, um, okay. Um, also, I just want to mention, like, you know, I guess if you're in your fantasy hockey drafts or anything like that, like, just... Just maybe uh, keep in mind uh, this guy named Olin Zellweger. Um, I think I think he's ready right now, and um, he might surprise a few people. So yeah. maybe take him if, a, if he gets a little bit up, there. I might take a chance yeah, yeah. on him, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Because um, he had, like, an incredible uh, junior hockey league, and he's, like, too good to be in the uh, WHL. Um, and he might be too good to be in the AHL. We'll see. Um Alright, so now we go to the Calgary Flames, speaking of another team that lost their coach, and that's also another addition. Um, Jaeger Sharangovich um, is also on their teams and on the players' side of things. Jordan Oosterly, um, Dryden Hunt are also arriving. Um, in terms of people who are going, Tyler Toffoli, um, who I forgot about, um, Trevor Lewis, Milan Lucic, um, Matthew Phillips, Troy Stetcher, Michael Stone, and Nick Ritchie um, are all gone. Um, but um, but yeah, we'll we'll see. Um, yeah, this is another team where yeah they kind of um, they weren't as like good as expected to be. I mean, I know this team didn't have like the last off season. They had one of the worst off seasons in recent memory, um, where they didn't get. Um, where they had to, or Johnny Gaudreau leaves, um, and Matthew Kachuk um, doesn't want to stay there, so they trade him. And they did get, you know, Jonathan Eberdo, and they did get a first-round pick. They also signed Nazem Kadri, um, who was a late uh, free agent, um, and that was supposed to work. Um, however, what ended up happening was uh, Daryl Sutter, who was the coach there, um, he kind of just stu- like lost the room. Um, and, um, and there was a report as soon as he got fired at the end of the year that pretty much none of the players liked him. Um, there was also like, um, I think we even mentioned this on the show as well, but, uh, Jacob Peltier, uh, was on the team, um, and he, like, he played his first game and then he, and then Sutter was asked about Jacob Peltier, um, and um, and Daryl Sutter had to know like what his number was and who he was, and which is kind of like an odd thing. It's like yeah, I yeah, know he's a rookie and he he was just given fourth line minutes, but it's such a weird thing to say because like you should pay attention to your rookies, um, or you know a guy's first game or whatever. Or even if it was just like oh yeah yeah he was he was good. Like you should pay attention to that type of stuff. So it was so weird, and then apparently in the behind the scenes that was supposed that supposedly rubbed a ton of the players the wrong way, and and they all started to like hate the guy um, Sutter. I'm sure there's other um, examples, but that was the big reason that people or like a big example of what people hated about 
Sutter the most. Um, and I, I believe Huberto and Sutter had a had a big um, fight and something like that too. Or this is all like conjecture basically, but we'll see. Um, I do think though, that, like having said all that, I do think that there is some kind of nice thing about that where it's like, okay, the coach is gone. Um, and, uh, and now, and like a lot of the players like Elias Lindholm and Hannah Finn supposedly don't just don't want to be there anymore. Um, so they may end up getting traded if, if the season really just turns into, uh, shit basically. Um, but on the other hand, it's like, okay, we know that Hubert, what Huberto was capable of, um, in the you know last year, we know what Nazem Kadri was capable of. You can kind of just say like we'll see what uh, Jacob Peltier can do now that he has uh, like a and this coach is also like an AHL guy um, or someone who um, who's like good with the uh, the younger players. Um, so we'll see what Peltier can do. We can see what um, even like Matthew Coronado he might have an outside shot of making the team. Um, same with, like, Connor Zary. He might also have an outside shot of making the team. Or Dustin Wolf maybe, is someone um, as well. So um, they they could, like, you know, if, if Huberto can be, get back to what he was, um, and Nazem Kadri can get back to what he was, and, like, all of a sudden it's like, oh, okay. And then you add, like, these new young guys that I just mentioned. It's like, okay, all of a sudden we might be working with something. Um, so, so yeah, I guess it's just, um, like this, this feels like a wild card team where it wouldn't surprise me if they make the playoffs, but it also wouldn't surprise me if they're a top 10 team in the draft. Um, so, um, so yeah, we'll, we'll end up seeing how it goes, but yeah, they're like a true wild card team. Yeah, all the young guys that you mentioned, um, and I agree with your assessment on being a wild card team, um... I think the young guys are going to be important to assess because they may be thrusted into NHL rules yep. permanently sooner than we think, depending on how certain things play out. In particular, what the heck happens with Elias Lindholm? Uh, for those of you who forget, he's an yep. unrestricted free agent at the end of this year. He's among the list of notable NHL players that could get a lot of money. Um, and it was supposedly a real pain in the butt um, for the Flames to get him to settle on a contract extension. Or not even settle, but just anything they threw at him, he said, nah, not interested. Uh, and then training camp starts, or just a bit before training camp, and it sounds like he wants to stay in Calgary. Uh, so then I'm thinking, okay, well, if you want to stay in Calgary, then where's the contract, and where's your signature? Well, uh, he probably wants to get paid, and he's not willing to take a discount. Yeah. Uh, he wants to stay in Calgary if the money is there. And after watching Bo Horvat get $8.5 million for a season, and, uh, you know, Huberto get his bag, and Mac Weger get his bag, and Kadri getting his bag a couple off-seasons ago, uh, why, why should he settle? And you look at uh, the numbers that uh, he's put up since he's arrived in Calgary, his best season in Carolina was 44 points in 81 games. His career high in goals was 17. That was uh, set in his second NHL season. Uh, and in his first year with Calgary, he got 27 goals and 78 points. That's near a point-per-game pace of uh, 79 for 82. 
pretty impressive. Uh, then he gets 29 goals, 54 points, a bit of a downgrade, but nearly gets 30 goals. That's still not bad. Uh, 47 points in 56 games, including 19 goals during uh, the pandemic-shortened season there. Uh, and his shooting percentage uh, throughout this time is starting to look good. It's 14% or better. Um, then 42 goals, 82 points in 82 games, so exactly a point a game. And his first over 200-shot campaign, his shooting percentage was 18. That's when Johnny Hockey was lighting it up. That's when Matty Kachuk was lighting it up. And that was shortly before um, Johnny Hockey and Matty Kachuk both left town. And then last year, amidst all of the BS that Calgary went through, uh, he was one of their best uh, point producers. Tyler Toffoli was their best. But uh, 22 goals, 64 points in 80 games was easily right up there. His shooting percentage did dip from 17.9 to 11.8. But his, his uh, face-off win percentage went from 52.9 at the time, a career high for him. Actually, no, uh, 54... He had a couple of 54 um, uh, or 55% seasons, but it was uh, one of his highest in Calgary. Uh, then he set a career high last year with a 55.7 face-off win percentage, and he had 857 face-off wins last year. So he had one of his best offensive seasons to date, and still, all things considered, a pretty decent offensive season, and his ice time per game actually went down. So you're telling me that Bo Horvat's going to be worth 8.5 and you're going to give Kadri and everyone else in Calgary all that money, mm -hmm. but uh, you're expecting Elias Lindholm to take less? He's not going to. So um, if they can't get him, then you know, you're going to see guys like Connor Zary or Jacob Peltier be expected to carry the offensive load at a moment's notice um, over the next uh, several years. Uh, because now one of the best two-way centers in the league has gone elsewhere. And I think the youth movement is going to be pivotal depending on how many mm. veteran players leave town. And the other one I want to mention is Jacob Markstrom, who had an absolutely horrid year. Yeah. And it seems like he's on this one year he's God, one year he's a peasant, and then he's God again, and then he's a peasant again. Uh, well, he was a peasant last year, so maybe he's God this year. But if he has another rough year and they're trying to win hockey games and they have to call up Dustin Wolf. well, all of a sudden you could be in a situation where you have a young goaltender carrying the load for Calgary and maybe, hopefully, uh, that's the tonic that's uh, necessary to help turn this thing around and get things back on track. So um, I think the two things I'm looking for in Calgary, what happens with Lindholm if Markstrom can bounce back? And both of those situations are probably going to determine where they finish in the standings and if they're a playoff team. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, we go. We move on to the other team in Alberta, uh, the Edmonton Oilers. Um, they just so happen to it works this way alphabetically as well, interestingly. Um, so yeah, they added uh, Connor Brown, Drake Kajula, um, Lane Peterson, Ha. Hoffenmeyer? I don't know who that, that first name is, but... And former Ottawa 67, no Hoffenmeyer to you. Okay, okay. That's why you included that. That makes sense now. Um, in terms of... Also because they're a cash-strapped team, and they need bargain-hunting defensemen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that plays there. Yep, yep. Um, in terms of people who are uh, on the way out, um, or left, um, 
uh, Kyler Yamamoto, Clem Costin. You have here Oscar Clefbaum, even though he hasn't played in like three three years. But I, I guess his contract is out. Um, yeah, it is. Nick Bukestad, Mike Smith, that's another one who hasn't played in a while, but um, but yeah. Um, Ryan Murray, um, Jason Damers, who I forgot, completely forgot about, um, and Slater Cuckoo. Um, it's crazy how, like, the, the weird last names, I know the first name too, but, like, <laughs> like... Like, the, there's a couple on here who I, like, that are more normal last names, and I'm like, wait a second. Uh, like, Kajula and Cuckoo, I'm like, oh, I know those guys, um, even though. Anyways. Um, the, um, yeah, so, so the Edmonton Oilers, of course, uh, we'd be, well, actually, I forgot to, because usually in these previews I've mentioned what, how many points these teams got and what place they got last year. I forgot to do that for the Ducks and the Flames. Um, so the Ducks uh, had 58 points in 82 games. Um, that was last place. Uh, the Flames had 93 points. That would put them that put them in fifth. Um, and uh, yeah, I guess they they almost made the playoffs. Um, and then the Edmonton Oilers they had 109 points, um, and that put them in second. Uh, believe it or not. Um, which is kind of crazy, because the reason why I say believe it or not, it's because they had Connor McDavid, who had 153 points. That's the most points ever in this new uh, lockout era. Post-lockout era, I guess is the, the official term here. Um, and yeah, they have uh, 153. Po- he had 153 points, which is incredible. Um, and then, um, yeah, and of course, they also have Leon Dreisaitl, who's also good in his own right, 128 points in 80 games. Uh, they also have Ryan Nugent Hopkins, um, who had 104 points in 82 games. I believe that's the first time since, like, the Penguins um, in the 90s um, had three uh, 100-point players um, in, a, in the regular season. It's more of a look on how... Um, how scoring has been down in recent years, um, but of course that's like that makes it even more impressive that the fact that um, the Oilers have the two best skaters um, just from a points perspective um, on their team. Yeah, I feel like that's uh, that's uh, one of those uh, stats people rhyme off, like yeah. you know Danny Eatley fifty and oh seven. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but also 1506. Yeah, yeah. For Ryan Nugent Hopkins, it's 104 and 82. Like, yeah, yeah. Everyone's going to remember. Or, hey, remember that time Nugent Hopkins had 104 points that one year? That was pretty great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's term- like, he's good, but, like, yeah. considering he's the first overall pick that's buried underneath, like, McDavid and Dreisaitl, he still went up for 104 that year. Like, well, that, that might be his best season. Yeah, I guess that's a fair point. I, I think the thing with Nugent Hopkins, though, was that last year... Usually what happens is that he just gets injured every now and then, but this year was the, one of the first years where he got, like, he played a full 82 games. Um, so so in, in that sense, it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, like, he's always been pretty good. It's just he's gotten injured, or he had, like, a stint where he got injured for, like, a couple games, and that kind of, like, puts it down a little bit. But, yeah, the fact that he, um, he had 100 points, I mean, 82 games. Of course, that's still impressive and whatnot. But, I mean, I don't know. I feel like I could get 100 points with Connor McDavid on my line, you know? It's like, um, it, it, or I could get a lot of points. 
Which kind of brings me to this other point where I'm seeing here that Connor Brown is going to be on a Connor McDavid's line. And I guess he only played four games last year and he had zero points. Um, yeah, because so, he got injured early yeah. in the season with Washington and it was the season right. ender. Yeah, so it does make me interested in, in wondering, like, oh, okay, how are they actually going to use him? If they're going to use him as a top six guy, then, yeah, I guess that obviously that makes some sense. But, um, but yeah, at the same time, it's like, okay, he, he might not actually be that good. We'll see, though. Um, but, uh, people forget that uh, Connor McDavid and Connor Brown played in Erie in the OHL together. Uh, and uh, in one of his... Uh, earlier seasons when McDavid was starting to find his groove and just uh, mess everything up in the OHL, mm -hmm. uh, Connor Brown was, I don't know if he was the OHL scoring leader, but he had a lot of points. Oh, okay. like he had 110, 120 plus, and uh, that was still way more than Connor McDavid that year. So, oh, wow. Um, the Oilers are hoping that a former line mate of McDavid's in the OHL can just... Um, help things click and maybe get more versatility in the second line because I noticed the second line you have Nugent Hopkins on the left wing mm. Hyman on the right side and then Dreisaitl center so that Erie Otters team must have been pretty good because then they had they also had to bring Cat and Dylan Strom as well so yeah um, I don't think that yeah. particular season they had Strom and Dabrinkit but uh, okay. um but yeah, they have they have, they've had a lot of talent come from that team over the years. Right. Well, it's just um. Well, because when you said that, or Andy of course, Drysdale played for them uh, as well. But not at the same time. Um, not at the same time, but he played for the Erie Otters. Okay. Yeah, okay. Which might point a lot of talented players play there. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But uh, I mean, I, I feel like you could say that about like a lot of junior teams like you'll always find like at least one superstar on one of the like al alumni on any of these teams yeah well i could name a lot of 67s that are still in the league today yeah, yeah. A lot of pipe when they enter the league so yeah yeah but like that proves my point um but it but when you mention that story it's like oh that's kind of like when um because you know to cat and dylan strom uh or like uh dylan strom yeah. got traded to the blackhawks um and i think partially because um because they were, uh, Debrinkat and Strom were on the same team. Um, and then um, there's another one. Oh, uh, recently, uh, Nathan McKinnon and Jonathan Drouin. Um, Drouin's about to be reunited with McKinnon. Um, so yeah. so maybe there's something there. I'm sure there's other examples, of course, as well, of, of teams doing that. Um, but, um, but yeah, in any case... Um, yeah, I'll be I'll be interested. You know, of course, we could talk. We could glow about McDavid and Drysaddle like we always do. Um, and we talked about uh, Evan Bouchard uh, when he got that contract, but uh, I assume he'll get a bigger role. But because uh, he did have a huge role in the playoffs, um, where but like in the regular season, it's like oh yeah, forty points in eighty two games. That's okay. But yeah, you know, we'll see. Um, what he does, um, if he can keep that up and keep the momentum going. Um, of course, like, you also see here, like, oh, D Darnell Nurse, um, he had 43 points in 82 games. Um, he's one of those guys who can do everything, so it's not necessarily just the points, but, um, but yeah, like, you know, you would kind of expect to have a little bit more points, having said all that, just because you're, if you're on a team with McDavid and Dreisaitl, you can as a defenseman, I feel like you you kind of have to, like, have more than 43 points. Um, but, yeah, I guess we'll see. 
Um, and then uh, I just uh, sorry, go on. Yeah, well, continue. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's okay. Um, I guess the the biggest hole though for the Edmonton Oilers is that um, yeah, Stuart Skinner. Um, he had a nine thirteen save percentage and a two point seven five GAA um, in fifty games. Um, but then the backup, or I guess he was supposed to be the starter, but then he, um, he wasn't, or... But then know, he sucked. Yeah, then he sucked. Um, you have Jack Campbell, um, who had a .888 save percentage and a 3.41 GAA, um, in 36 games. Um, and that needs to be better. It's like, he, he um, like, even, like, in Toronto, he was pretty good, but all of a sudden, when he moved to Edmonton, he kind of wasn't that good anymore um so it just makes you wonder of like oh how are like what what ended up happening because i feel like there's something uh something going on and they're kind of lucky that oh Stuart skinner is like oh he's he might be okay um and on this team when you have mcdavid when you have dry settle all you need is average goaltending at best um and um and that's what's the point eight in hell last year for yeah well, the biggest case in point is uh, Chris Osgood, but um, for all those True. Detroit games, but uh, teams, but um, but yeah, no, uh, Stuart Skinner is um, you know so so in that sense, it's like yeah, he he's he's decent, um, he'll get the job done, but um, but yeah, if it it might come down to it in the playoffs, where um, where he's gonna he's gonna need to be good, um, and and. Um, and who knows? So that could end up being their downfall in the playoffs, but they're going to make the playoffs. So, um, so that's something that they can worry about in six months. Yeah, I feel like we said that about a couple of Edmonton Oilers teams, yep. and then they missed the playoffs. So that's true. Uh, that doesn't happen. That that's fair. That's a good point. <laughs> um, now, in terms of uh, Connor Brown, I want to circle back to that. So this was the year, uh, the final year Connor Brown played in the OHL. Uh, his second season as captain of the Otters, by the way, he led the team with 128 points in 68 games. Pretty ridiculous. That's crazy. The second yeah. leading scorer on that team was Dane Fox, not Connor McDavid, with 107 points. Oh. He's not in the NHL. But this so, was when um, explains why you haven't heard of him. But, but this this was when McDavid was like 14 years old, right? Uh, no, this wasn't his first year. This was his uh, second year. It was okay. uh, the year before his draft year, 13-14. So he was like 15, 16? Yeah, around there. Okay. I don't, I don't know. I, you know, I don't do ages, but okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, McDavid had 99 points, so he was just a bit off from 100. Uh, and he only played in 56 games. What, what so a bum. Yeah. Can't even get 100 uh, points well, as a 16-year-old? Uh, also, I wanted to point out some other guys on that team that you might have heard of. Uh, currently on the Seattle Kraken, Andre Burkowski oh, wow. with 87 points. Uh, Adam Pellick on the Islanders, uh, 54 points on the back end there. Uh, Dylan Strom, you mentioned uh, he was teammates with McDavid. Yeah. He was on the team this year, uh, but he only had 39 points in 60 games, so he wasn't uh, really at uh, full speed. Uh, it wasn't there at this point, but I'll tell you who was. Travis Dermott, who is oh, now on the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, he had 28 points from the blue line as well. And uh, there are also a couple of other NHLers you've heard of. Darren Radish, he's in the Tampa system. Hayden yeah. Oxen, he's in the King system. And uh, Curtis McDermott, who's mostly known for his fists, he's in Colorado. But, yeah, just uh, wanted to 
to clear the air on uh, Connor Brown's big yeah. season with the Erie Otters, and uh, I'm not too worried about uh, his chemistry with McDavid, more so about his health after only playing four games last year. So we'll see where his game is at as the preseason goes on and as we get closer to opening night. But Connor Brown is definitely that X factor in this offense where if he can pick up the pace and he can keep up with McDavid and Evander Kane uh, on that first line, and that second line can continue to be at the level they were last year, uh, all of a sudden you got two lethal number one worthy lines. And then you have uh, Ryan McLeod, who's pretty underrated, although he's injured right now. Uh, Matthias Yanmark, who had 25 points. Uh, Warren Fogel, who had 28 points. I still think uh, he hasn't really lived up to expectations in Edmonton, but I, I definitely think there's time to make up for that. And then you also have Dylan Hallway, who's currently listed on, on the fourth line, but I think he could play himself on the third line if he has a solid training camp, if he gets off to a hot start in the season. Um, I can definitely see him moving up the ranks a little bit there. Um, Cody Cece on the first pairing, good God, that terrifies me. Uh, Matias Eckelman lists him as injured. If he's out for a significant period of time, that would be bad for Edmonton just in general. Evan Bouchard coming off a solid, solid playoffs. That's uh, definitely a guy on the blue line that I'm watching this year, especially now that you don't have Tyson Berry. If you're looking for a power play one specialist who can rack up the points, as we mentioned the offseason, uh, probably Bouchard has the most upside there. Uh, but he's not really at a position where he's playing 20 minutes a night, and I think that's the one thing that's going to have to change in order for um, – the Oilers' defense to improve is if he can play in all of those situations, become a very versatile defender there. And then, of course, you got some grit with Kulak and Dayarnay as the third pairing. Again, I agree. It's all going to come down to goaltending. Uh, Skinner, Campbell, preferably both, but at least one better stop the puck and get hot and uh, get this team rolling, or it's going to be a long season for the Oilers. Yeah, um, for sure. Um, all right, we now move on to the Los Angeles Kings here. Um, they, what an interesting team, man. Yeah, I know. team right here. What's weird about the Los Angeles Kings is I feel like no one talks about them, yet they live in the second most popular city in America. <laughs> it's just, it's just, just kind they of funny. They also swung one of the biggest trades of the offseason, yeah, too. that too, that too. Uh, yeah, speaking of, uh, yeah, they get Pierre-Luc Dubois. Um, they also get Cam Talbot, uh, David Riddick's there as well, Trevor Lewis. Cam Talbot, David Riddick, and Phoenix Copley. This is why I call them interesting. Yeah. That's your goalie tandem to start the year. Yeah, most yeah. Likely. Yeah. Uh, Trevor Lewis, um, although I, mo- I imagine it's mostly just going to be Talbot and Copley. Um, Trevor Lewis uh, goes as well, San- Steve Santini, Joe Hicketts. Uh, Engeland, Maltsoff, um, uh, and Kevin Connaughton are arriving as well. In terms of people who are on the way out, uh, Jonas Corposalo, Sean Dursey, Gabe Velarde, um, Alex Iofalo, um, I believe those two were involved in the Winnipeg um, trade, or that PLD trade. Yeah, Velarde, Iofalo, and Kupari were involved. Oh, Kupari is the other one, yeah. Return, yeah. Yep. Uh, Cal Peterson, um, he's in Philly. Uh, Sean Walker, Helga Granz, Edler, and McEwen, uh, Zach McEwen, are also on their way out. Um, 
last year the Kings went were uh, third um, in the division, 104 points. Um, so that's pretty good, um, of course. Yeah, they were neck and neck with yeah. Edmonton for that second spot too, but the Oilers with McDavid. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, the uh, the thing that when I look at the stats of uh, the the Kings teams last year, or like just the player stats, um, I noticed. I think we've talked about this, but in case we haven't, Adrian Kempe he had forty one goals last year. Um, that's kind of incredible. Yeah, probably the most quiet of forty goals yeah. campaign in the entire league. Yep. Yep. Um, and uh, yeah. So so there's that. Um, also, it's just like, uh, like I know we've talked about Alex Lafreniere and um, and how like we're not sure how they're using him, but um, but it is kind of interesting that Byfield, I guess they have him as a left winger now because uh, they when when he was drafted he was a center, um, and then um, and he was you know he was also hyped as much as Lafreniere, uh, but he hasn't really lived up to that hype just yet. Um, I still think that there's some time because he's kind of like a, he was always billed as like this power forward and those power forwards always take a little bit longer uh, to, to get adjusted and whatnot. So, um, so yeah, this, this year may be his breakout year. We'll see. But he ended up with uh, 22 points in 53 games last year. Um, and then, of course, you, uh, you add uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois. I guess it makes sense when they get Dubois it's like, oh, okay, so Byfield, they, they don't think Byfield's going to be a center uh, for them. And well, especially just when you have Deneau on the third line. And like, Deneau's another one, yeah. Down. And also, also low-key showing some pop. Did yep. you know he had 54 points and 18 goals last year? Yeah, like, it's pretty good. that's a pretty darn good season for Deneau standards. Yeah, yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah, he's one of the more underrated. Um, like, he's a good two-way center. Um, so, um, yeah. That, that's a good point, too. And, like, they have Arvidsson here on the third line as a right winger. Although I don't know, because like, then they also have, like, Kaliev as the second line, on the second line as a right winger. So I don't know how much that's going to last. But, um, but yeah, so these See, are weird lines. That's interesting, and I'll get to it later. But you remember their off-season chatter around yeah. Arvidsson's name being potentially uh, on the rumor mill. If that's the right. Kings are making a big move, I would yeah. expect him to be a part of the return going. Yesterday. Well, so I, I, I feel like you're right. That might not last long, yeah. and it could be Kaliev's spot full time. I feel like we should just take these um, these lines with a grain of salt, though, of course, because it's the beginning of the year, why not? But. They um, think it change. Yeah. I mean, DJ Smith is uh, trying to sink on the left and the right wing, yeah. and, and you know maybe he'll try him at center one time. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah. preseason is all about experimentation. It's yeah, yeah. what works and what doesn't. Uh, but the thing that I'm most curious—well, there's two things that I'm most curious about for the Kings. Um, one is um, I'm curious just to see Brant Clark because he's going to like. You know, we, yeah, we talk about Luke Hughes, we talk about, um, I mean, I just mentioned Olin Zellweger, and, um, but, like, in terms of defensemen making it, making their mark in the, um, in the league, like, Brand Clark could be, could end up being someone pretty good. Also, like, they traded Sean Dursey, who was, like, a good, decent defenseman, um, and I, I felt like that was the big reason why they were doing that was just because they, they felt like, oh, we have Brand Clark in the mix, okay, let's, Let's get him in. And Jordan Spence is another one who's who's been pretty good in the AHL. Um, so I, I, I feel like they were like, okay, Sean Jersey is good. 
Um, we're just going to send him to a, a team that kind of needs a defenseman in Arizona. And let's, uh, let's see what Brent Clark or even Jordan Spence can do. Um, so I'm curious about that, um, and who knows what their role is going to be. But if they're managing to trade Sean Dursey, who's pretty good, um, or like given, given what he was, um, what, what, like the ice time that he had, um, it's like, okay, so they must, they must think that Frank Clark and, um, Jordan Spence are ready right now. Um, and then the other thing, which I guess is the, the bigger issue, um, is the goaltending. Um, so they go out and get Cam Talbot, um, but I didn't realize this, but Cam Talbot was not good. I mean, I know he played for your Senators, um, but I didn't realize he was that bad, um, in 36 games, he had, uh... The other thing that concerns me is his injury history, because yeah. he was injured a couple of times last year, in particular yeah. down the stretch. Yep. Uh, he was almost unusable. Yep. Uh, he had an 8.98 save percentage and a GAA of 2.93, um, in 36 games, and yeah, like you were saying, like, he's injured, he gets injured a lot. He also is 36 years old, so as you alluded to, so... Yeah. Um, so that's that's weird. And also, it wasn't like I know that Corpusello joined, which is actually kind of funny now because Corpusello is now in Ottawa. But um, so I know that they got Corpusello in the trade deadline, and he was really really good for them um, towards the end of the season. Um, but like you look at like Phoenix Copley, um, I mean I, I guess he has a nine oh three save percentage and a GAA of two point six four. Um, but I remember there were some stretches of time where Phoenix Copley was, like, very, very good. Um, and um, so I am kind of curious why they, like, I, I guess, like, the goalie market wasn't as, like, strong um, compared to other years. But, like, I don't know. I feel like they could have done better than Cam Talbot. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll see um, how it goes. I wanted Durham and the Kings were willing to yeah, get yeah. this one. I think that was the main reason. Yeah, yeah, maybe, but um, but yeah, it's just um, it's just an interesting um dynamic there because I like I feel like oh they couldn't have I mean I guess like maybe yeah I guess they can't go out and trade jump for John Gibson um they could go out and try to trade for um Connor Hellebuck but um I I've been I've been saying I've been saying it out loud uh, Connor Hellebuck to New Jersey yeah. but I think the Western equivalent would be the Kings yeah yeah. Um, right, right, I guess that's the other thing, right? Because if, if uh, well, the Jets uh, don't want to trade in there. Yeah, that's true, too, right? Because they already got PLD from them. So, I don't know, but maybe that's a more, more of a reason to do it. Because it's like, uh, it reminds me of how the Ducks and the Bruins have traded in the last couple of years. Um, so, so maybe there's like something to the fact like, oh, yeah, I'm going to trade with the, this team again. Um, but, yeah, we'll see. Um, but yeah, this, uh, so, so I am kind of curious how the goaltending will go. I mean, I think we, we both know that you never know with goaltending. Um, so, so maybe I'm wrong and like Cam Talbot will end up being the difference maker. Um, but yeah, I'm just, I'm just curious to see how, how that works. And of course, how like Pierre-Luc Dubois goes and if Frank Clark is ready right now. Um, so it's all very interesting. Yeah, also unrelated note, um, I think uh, Cam Talbot and uh, the Kings goalies, uh, we were talking about um, the uh, exchange of Sens goalies and Kings goalies. Um, 
Anton Forsberg and Norris Corpusella with their goalie mask. I don't know if you've seen them. They have outdone themselves. So, uh, Kings, Kings goalie, step up your game on that front, please. Yeah, yeah. Um, I want to see something cool for you. Anyway, uh, in terms of the Kings, their second line in particular is very intriguing. You have, uh, according to Cat Friendly, Fiala as the second line left winger. Uh, so let's go with this reality. Fiala on the left wing, uh, Arthur Kaliev on the right, and Dubois down the middle. Like, Dubois has offensive potential, uh, still in the tank there, and Fiala is coming off of a handful of very solid seasons. And Kaliev, I think, could be due for his breakout year. Um, I know I've said that in the past, but he only averaged 11.40 of ice time, and he still got 13 goals and 28 points, only playing in 56 games, too. So um, if the ice time goes up and uh, he remains healthy throughout the year and he's in a top six role, um, you could be looking at, like, a solid 50 to 60-point campaign from him, maybe 25 to 30 goals as well. Um, their third line, like I said, very underrated. Uh, you do have Arvidsson in the mix four now. But you also have Trevor Morris had uh, some good years uh, with the Kings, although last year was a bit of a down year. And uh, Philip Deneau, as we mentioned, a very solid two-way center in this league. And then you also have Trevor Lewis coming back. Uh, he briefly yeah. uh, left the Kings for a couple of years, and now he's back in the mix on the fourth line. Getting um, a little bit of grit with Carl Grenstrom and Blake Lazat there. And plus, you also have those forward prospects that we haven't seen that much of, like... Uh, Alex Turcotte and Akil Thomas and Francesco Pinelli. Uh, now that he's 20, you're probably going to get another solid look at him and see where he's at in his development. You also have um, Tyler Madden, who has been waiting for a couple of years yeah. as well. Um, so there's definitely some untapped uh, potential in, in the pipeline and guys ready to make their mark that... Um, I think in training camp, we're going to get a pretty solid opportunity to do so. And yes, I 100% agree with the Brant Clark theory. Man, that guy was asked to go down to the OHL, and he entered with a battering ram and just demolished everyone. Like, he was mm -hmm. averaging two to three points a game, and he was just straight up killing it in, in the O when he got sent down halfway through the year. Um, and I definitely think he's going to come into training camp with a lot of grit, a lot of hunger. Um, everything proof, and he, I can definitely see him uh, winning a spot on this uh, on this team. At the moment, uh, Drew Downey is the top rating defenseman. Michael Anderson is on the left side with him. You have Gabrikov and Roy as your uh, one-two punch on the second pair, and then England and Clark is seen as uh, the third pairing. So I would imagine the third um, RHD spot there is where Clark... Uh, can cut his teeth and, and really uh, get a good, solid look there. He did play nine games last year and got two assists, averaging only 13.38 per game. So similar to Kaliev, uh, probably put in more so offensive situations, less defense. Um, but if he has a solid training camp, uh, at the very least, you could see him opening night. Right, right, right. Yeah, it seems like that's what they're going to do, but yeah, we'll see. Um, yeah, okay. Next up, we have uh, the San Jose Sharks. Um, and this is actually the team that I feel like is going to be the last, uh, the worst team they, in the league. Um, and, you know, not, I mean, I guess before I get into um, their additions and their subtractions, 
But, um, I mean, I know that they have Thomas Hurdle still, they have Logan Couture still, and who knows with Anthony Duclair and um, Mike Hoffman, and even, like, Philip Sedina, who I forgot about, um, and, and we'll see about Eklund and Bordelow, but, but they're, like, like, last year, their only good player was Eric Carlson, like, and, and he had, and Eric Carlson had the best season by a defenseman of all time, and that, that was, like, I mean, I guess everything went through Eric Carlson, so now, when they don't have him, it's like, oh, like, they're not gonna be that good. Um, and, you know, you kind of feel bad for Logan Couture and Thomas Hurdle, but at the same time, like, they're, they've kind of, like, know their deal. They know that they're, um, you know, the team has been a rebuild. But it is kind of crazy, because this team used to be pretty good. Um, and now, um, now they're just, like, starting their rebuild, it seems like. So, yeah, we'll see. Um, in terms of their additions and subtractions... Uh, yeah, so I, I did allude to the fact that they got, um, they have Michael Ruta, uh, Michael Granlin, sorry, uh, John Ruta, Mackenzie Blackwood, um, they also had, um, Anthony Duclair, who I mentioned, Philip Sedina, Mike Hoffman, Ryan Carpenter, and Zabarin, um, I don't know who that is. Scott Zabarin. Scott Zabarin. Um, in terms of going, um, I alluded to, uh, Eric Carlson's gone, James Reimer's gone, Stephen Lorenz is gone, Noah Greger, um, Evgeny Sveshnikov, um, Johnson, just Andreas Johnson, ah, interesting, um, Truchan Vial and Aaron Dell, um, there's a few others here on the Hockey News, Jonah Gajovic, uh, Derek Puglio, um, Jeffrey Veal, who I think is who you mentioned before. Yep, it is. So, um, so yeah, there's a few other like turnovers here, and um, yeah, I, th- I think the Sharks team is going to be bad. Um, we talked about this when we were talking about the Eric Carlson trade, um, where it's like I don't even know who their best defenseman is anymore. Um, maybe it's like Mario Ferraro, um, but he's more of like a shutdown defenseman. Um, so. Um, so that's kind of the biggest concern, um, if you were going to take this team seriously. Um, and now I'm like, and like, yeah, Anthony Duclair, he could be good, but, um, and like, you know, of course, Thomas Hurdle and, uh, Logan Couture are always pretty consistent, um, but at the same time, it's like, oh, this, this team is just waiting, like, they're, they're going to try to be, uh, they're tanking for, uh, they're shark tanking, if you will. For uh, Macklin Celebrini, and it's fitting. That should be that should be their slogan. Yeah, shark taking, which is interesting too, because we're, uh, we're gonna go deep yeah. sea diving for L's and then find the biggest W in all of the land and yeah. find out it's a mirage and someone else got it. Well, what what's interesting about that is is that a few years ago the president of the Sharks said that the Sharks will never rebuild or never gonna tank, um, and it looks like that's what they're doing, um, and. Um, even more fitting, um, this, I think I've mentioned this as well, Macklin Celebrini, who uh, we talked about at the beginning of the show, um, he, um, yes, he, he's, um, he's a Canadian. He's also, um, he's also pl- like going to play for Boston University this year, which is going to be pretty cool from he's a college He's also very good at hockey. He's also very good at hockey. But 
um, one of like I think his like father uh, works for the Golden State Warriors, um, and uh, he played for the Junior Sharks when he was younger. So if the Sharks get him, it's gonna be like oh he's like playing for like a hometown team basically, or like the Junior Sharks. Uh, got got a guy, even though he's Canadian and he's like he kind of has some roots to California, but um, so uh, that's that's probably going to be something where it's like if if that happens, that'll be uh, the the talking point um, if he goes to the Sharks. Um, but of course, like you know, I'm I'm kind of excited on on that front. I, I'm excited to see what Willie Mecklen can do um, for them. Uh, but yeah, a lot of the or even like what Henry Thrun can do, um, who's uh, who I I'm, he's like a defenseman there, uh, Shakur Mukamadulin, who they got in the Timo Meyer deal, so he could be something as well. But um, but yeah, I think the Sharks are just planning for uh, what their team's going to look like in in four to five years um, or three years, I guess, because uh, they did draft Will Smith, um, and that's a guy who's. Who's gonna be in boss? Who's gonna play in Boston College? Um, so maybe, maybe the Sharks team will take a lot of tours over here in Boston. Um, and then, um, and yeah, even like Thomas Bordalo, I'm excited to see what he can do. Uh, they also drafted Quinton Musty um, this year, um, and so I feel like a lot of their their thinking this year in terms of moves that they're gonna make and and all that is going to be on okay. Um, how are we going to get the most picks? It's going to be focused on scouting. It's going to be focused on developing, making sure Eklund is ready, making sure Bordalo is ready, making sure that all these like guys are doing what they're doing, like the young guys are doing what they're doing. And that's a big reason why I feel like the Ducks are going to be a better team as well. Because, like, yeah, both teams are going to suck, but the Ducks at least have good young players now. Um, and yeah, they're, they're further yeah. along in their development yeah, exactly. for sure compared to San Jose. And, San yeah. just starting to realize, yeah. okay, yeah, we should probably retool. We should, we should probably rebuild, yeah. And it's like, yeah, the Sharks, like, you know, Eklund and Bordelow are NHL ready at this point, but, like, it's not, it's nothing compared to, like, the fact that, like, oh, right, Zegers, Leo Carlson might have a shot. Um, they might, they might start playing Zellweger, Drysdale. Uh, they might start playing um, Tristan Lunau, or they might start playing uh, Pavel Minchukov, you know, so they have a lot more guys ready. Um, also, the fact that, like, you know, there is something to the fact of, like, oh, they hired a, a new coach who um, who's just, like, ready for developers where uh, who can develop the young guys um, in a better way. And then, um, whereas, like, the Sharks, they have another bad coach in David Quinn, so... Um, yeah, so I, I, th- I think there is something to, to that. Yeah, at least he's not Dallas Eagles. Right, right, right. That, that's true, but he's, he's not far out <laughs> from, from Dallas Eagles. Yeah. In, in terms of the Sharks' depth, uh, Mikhail Granlund, if he has a bounce back year, I can see him, you know, being a guy that's potentially Trey bait in the offseason. Well, like I said, you have a lot of big-name players looking for their bag. If you're a team that really can't afford those guys and you're just like, okay, well, maybe we can get a rental piece that can low-key put up 40 to 50 assists a year um, if he's 
clicking, firing on all cylinders. I think Grayling can beat that guy. Um, I will say at this point in time that Mikhail Grayling is 31 years old. So um, in terms of prime years, there's only so much you can get out of him. But that's still not a bad age when you consider that uh, Mike Hoffman, for example, is 33. Logan Couture is uh, currently 34. He's also injured right now, which uh, is not ideal. Um, so you you have uh, guys creeping up into their 30s. Barabanov is playing some of his best hockey lately and uh, was one of those underrated seasons in the league that we forgot about last year, 47 points in 68 games. Uh, he's 29, so he's, push, he's pushing 30 right now. Um, you also have uh, Anthony Duclair, who's 28 years old, hard to believe. Uh, Kevin LeBanc on an expiring contract, he's 27. Oscar Lindblom, who's 27. Nico Sturm, believe it or not, is 28 years old currently, and uh, he scored 14 goals last year and probably one of his best uh, NHL seasons to date. Uh, so all things considered, um, I think the Sharks have an okay offense, but we, we saw what an okay offense uh, brought to Anaheim when you look at some of the Titans that are in the Pacific Division and in the Western Conference. Um, they were outmatched a lot of the nights that they played. Uh, they did have a lot of overtime shootout losses, uh, especially down the stretch. Uh, they really started to lose, and they were doing respectably well in the first half. But in the second half, the reels really fell off, really fell off the bus and crashed. Um, and I think the defense is probably their biggest weakness. Ferrero, you mentioned, is a good one, but uh, not known for his offense. Mark Edward Vlasic is probably that contract that uh, appears in cap-friendly buyouts more often than not. Uh, you do have guys like Matthew Benning and Ruta coming into the fold. Radim Simic as well, who's uh, there at affordable rates. Uh, then you get to your goaltending where Blackwood posted a 10-6 record last year. But he also posted a 3.2 GAA and an 8.93 save percentage. Good God! And then Capo Kakinen went 9 and 20 with an 8.83 save percentage and a GAA near 3.9. So, um, again, defense and goaltending are going to really make it rough for this team to compete every night. And uh, um, it's between Anaheim and San Jose, but I can definitely back your theory that San Jose could be uh, in the running for first overall. Yep. Of course, if the lottery has anything to say about it, uh, they probably won't get first overall because nothing is fair. Yeah, yeah. I mean, th that tends to happen, so we'll see. But, like, even still, like, I know that there's still, like, a few guys um, next year who, who might be... Yeah. And, and they did get Will Smith, who uh, yep. I don't believe has signed a contract with the team no. yet. But again, they have some guys in the system that, yep. you know, once they get there and they start to develop with the team, yeah, uh, you're really going to see the promise. But there's, it's, it's more so just waiting, it's more so the hype and just waiting on the actual substance to emerge. And uh, for hockey fans to rebuild, I can speak for my personal experience with the Ottawa Senators in around 2019-2020, uh, it's tough just waiting around and just hoping for something good to happen. Mm. And you're just, and, and and all you're holding on to is hope that things will get better. Yeah. And uh, uh, it's a position that the Sharks fans haven't been in quite some time. On the other hand, though, it's like you, like, I remember when the Oilers were, like, 
desperate and like we're terrible every well, year, you know. They were desperate yeah. for five years, only yeah. they kept getting all the first yeah. round picks they could find anyway. Yeah, yeah. Or like the Sabres are the other one where it's like they were so bad yeah. for so well, long. And now like yeah, they may not both yeah. of those teams were hopeless, yeah. not desperate. Yeah, yeah, true, true. But then um and the, but yeah, then they were able to turn their team around. So um all right, uh, we now go to, and speaking of which, we now go to the Seattle Kraken, um, who don't know what, uh, yeah, yeah, they don't know what uh, bad ho- hockey is, really. I mean, I guess their first season they were bad, but. Their first year was kind of, yeah, one of the, but one they, of those they didn't, years where it's like, I could have gone better. They didn't really struggle, though, uh, but uh, yeah, you know, it's, it was just one bad year, pretty much. Uh, but then this year, they um, or this past year, they made the playoffs um, as a wild card team. They had a hundred points in eighty-two games. Of course, it was eighty-two games, um, and yeah, they were uh, they were very good. Um, they um, they added um, Brian Dumoulin, Pierre Edouard Belmar, uh, Drew Shore, someone Shore. Um, yeah, Drew Shore. Drew Shore. Uh, Collier Yamamoto, uh, Connor Carrick, Marion Studenick, um, and yep. um, Jimmy Schultz, I believe. Um, I'm, I'm so impressed by myself whenever I get the first name right. <laughs> it's like every time it's like, I think that's the right first name, and then, um, and then you got it. Um, in terms of guys who are on their way out, you have uh, Junis Donskoy. Martin Jones, Daniel Sprong, Morgan Geeky, Ryan Donato, Alex True, and Brogan Rafferty. I'm also realizing um, that Bruins got a lot of guys who are leaving in the Pacific because uh, it's Morgan Geeky, uh, Milan Lucic, and Kevin Shattenkirk. Um, so um, take that for what it will. What I it is. I ha- did I have on my list that Brian Donato had left, or maybe you mentioned? You did it. not have Brian Donato, but that is a good call. And yeah, the hockey news has that here. Um, yeah, so Ryan Donato's not wasn't on this list, but he is left. Um, also, I guess we were talking about prospects last, um, you know, in the last segment. But um, I should mention that. Uh, well, oh. You, you had said that Will Smith hasn't signed yet. It's because he's going to Boston College, um, and uh, right. you, can't, you can't sign a contract um, if you're going to the NCAA. I think the similar rule is for the uh, KHL players, too. So, um, Yeah, well, uh, well if, uh, if you uh, are a Boston fan and you want to watch a future San Jose Shark uh, yep. tear stuff up, um, yep. Find your guy. Uh, find Will Smith in town and uh, yeah. see what he's got. And Ryan Leonard and uh, Gabe Perot, who are the Rangers prospect and, and the uh, that, that Washington seems like Apple. a scary good yeah. this year. They could be this year's Michigan, where they're yeah. just loaded with NHL talent. Yeah, yeah. Which is, uh, yeah, which is kind of cool to see because uh, there's been a lot, like the last couple of years, Boston College has kind of not been as good as they should be. Um, yeah. And a lot of that is uh, just a little bit of a sidetrack here, but it's uh, not as um, because uh, Jerry York, who was this uh, the BC coach for a long time, he uh, he retired, so uh, that that has a lot to oh, do with he it. Finally, did eh? yeah, He's yeah. Been around for eight a couple, uh, yeah, it was a couple seasons ago, but um, but I think that was a big reason. But 
Um, but yeah, they, they should still be pretty good, of course. Um, and those Leonard, Smith, and uh, Perot were all teammates on that USA team as well. So I think that's like, they're, they're going to be line mates again, basically. Just in the college instead of in uh, the USHL. Um, but the reason why I wanted to mention the prospects is because uh, Shane Wright, uh, he had like a complicated um, last season because like there was some like loophole where he wasn't um, able to like play in the AHL even though that's what CA Seattle really wanted him to do. Um, and then um, and then there was some like weird thing where they couldn't send him down so they had to like healthy scratch him and then there was the whole thing and in the end he ended up playing in the a NHL, the AHL, the OHL he also played some world juniors and um, and all that stuff so he was like he went back. yeah he went he went all over the place um, and he was you know he was he was given an exceptional status in the OHL uh, to begin with but I think because the OHL um stopped playing for a year he kind of like didn't have the drop off and that was the real reason why it was this weird little thing that was going on but in any case uh i i believe that the ahl did approve that shane wright can play in the ahl this year so i i assume that's what they're gonna do and um and which is the right move of course it's like you just want him to be in one team uh, for a long period of time, and if it's like, you know, it's lucky that the Seattle Kraken are pretty good right now, and don't necessarily need him to be good right now, anyways. So they can just put him in the AHL, and um, and um, and then yeah, if if he is ready and they feel like he's ready, then yeah, they can call him up. But um, but they, it's like a nice luxury to have, of course, that they can just uh, send him down um, easily. Um, but yeah, in any case. Um, the Seattle Kraken, they were, they were kind of like the surprise team last year, um, and, uh, they did end up making it to, uh, the Western Conference Finals, um, and, um, yeah, this, you know, this was like a, the biggest success that any team has ever had, of course, except for the Vegas Golden Knights, um, last year, but, um, but yeah, I, I, I know I'm kind of like excited for this team to see what they can do in their following year. Um, like we, we've talked about how Jeremy McCann had 70 points last year in 79 games, um, and he was their top scorer. But like you also have guys like Matthew Beniers, um, who had 57 points, um, and he's only going to get better. He was 20 years old. Um, you have Jordan Eberle, who was 63, who had 63 points. Um, Alex Wenberg had 38 points. Uh, Jordan, Sh Jordan, Jaden Schwartz, Jordan Schwartz, Jaden Schwartz had 40 points. Uh, Andre Burkowski had 39 points in 49 games. Um, so that's 0.8 points per game. Pretty good. Um, and yeah, it's like, you know, with Seattle, it's yeah. Jared McCann had 70 points in 79 games, but like even still, it's like I I like how they kind of just like like every every uh, line can kill you basically um, and uh, like even like Eli Tolvanen who they got through waivers um, last year he had 31 points in 61 games and they have him here as the fourth line guy um, so um, so yeah I, I, I think that's like the cool thing about Seattle is that like it's not just like 
one superstar. It's just, like, a lot of, like, very good players. Um, and uh, they don't, like, you know, if it's it's not necessarily that you have to worry about one particular player. And maybe Matty Beneers takes that leap uh, this year, or maybe George, Jared per, um, McCann makes that leap as well. But at the same time, it's like, oh, you have to worry about, like, Andre Burkowski. You have to worry about, like, even, like, Oliver Borgstrand, who didn't have as great of a season as we had hoped. Um, it's like, oh, okay, they're, you know, any any one of these guys could could um, could have, like, a huge role or a huge stint of games as well. Um, on the defensive side of things, it, it's pretty, like, it's kind of the opposite. It's pretty clear that Vince Dunn is the guy. Uh, he had 64 points in 81 games, and, uh, and yeah, he's getting paid 7.35 uh, million uh, for the next uh, couple of years. Um, and, um, yeah, I'll be curious to see, I mean, I guess we'll talk about their goaltending again. Uh, group hour kind of did kind of pick it up towards the second half of the year, but, uh, still he had a 0.895 save percentage and a 2.85 GAA in 39 games. Um, so, so yeah, we'll, we'll see if that, like, which way he can go for him. But, um, but yeah, in any case, um... Yeah, I, I'm kind of excited to see what the Seattle team can do. I feel like they're only going up. Yeah, well, I mean, as, as I keep mentioning, the, most of the star players that are going to make an impact for years and years to come haven't really made their mark yet. Uh, Shane Wright, obviously, we talked about, but also Tucker Robertson, yep. who was one of the Peterborough Peets that won the OHL title last year, and he was arguably their best offensive player on the back end you have ty nelson of the north bay battalion who the yep. past two years has played ohl hockey he's been tremendous in both of them ty cardi who appeared in the playoffs last year and looked good he had a solid ahl campaign logan morrison who just finished out his ohl career he looks pretty freaking good and he's a solid two-way offensive player so I think adding him to the fold is huge. Jagger Furkis, I think, yep. had a 40-plus goal campaign in the OHL last year. He's another name to look out for. David Goyette, who played for the OHL Sudbury Wolves last year, it's also up there. And Riker Evans, again, another AHLer who was uh, making noise for his performance uh, defensively. So uh, his presence on the blue line is possible, too. So when you have that healthy competition and then you look at, you know, the veterans that they added, such as uh, Brian Tumalin and Pierre-Edward Valmar and uh, Yamamoto as a death forward as well. Um, and then you add in, you know, probably Grubauer and Decord as, as your two goalies. Uh, I know Drieger's in the system, but he hasn't played in a year. And I think with Decord's solid resume last year, uh, you'd be nuts not to give him a decent shot at making the team. So um, I, I, I think especially in a Pacific division where there isn't that much separation between, you know, those who make the least amount of money and uh, those who are willing to bet on themselves for a year and, and all and all that kind of stuff. Speaking on uh, contract years, Everlay is up. Uh, for a new deal after this year, again with all of the big name players up for grabs, um, do the Seattle crack and say, "Yeah, we're fine with Everlay, thank you," and just keep him around, or do they say, "Hey, you know what, this guy might suit our offense better. Thanks for all the years of service, Jordan. We appreciate it." Um, so uh, I, I think it, though, 
when I look at the grand scheme of things and I look at where everyone else is, Seattle is probably in one of the best positions uh, in the Pacific Division. And at worst case, they'll be wildcard one. At worst case this year. And I definitely think they can... I don't think they'll win the division, but I definitely think they could be a team that wins the number three spot. If we're shooting for the stars, maybe the number two, maybe in the Pacific. But I can definitely see Seattle at best being uh, third place in the Pacific Division. That yeah. I I don't think last year was a fluke at all. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, Vancouver Canucks. Uh, Oh, I wish it was going to get easier, boys. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, Pew Suter um, arrives. Uh, Casey DeSmith, Ian Cole, um, Zach Sachenko, um, Connor Susi, Tedder Bluger, and Matt Mike Irwin, Irwin um, have arrived. In terms of guys who are going, Tanner Pearson, um, Michael Furland, OEL, Ethan Bear, um, Kyle Burrows, um, Colin Delia, and Travis Dermont um, are also on their way out. Or oh, and Justin Dowling um, as well. Um, in terms of last year, Vancouver had 83 points. They were sixth in the division. Um, What's interesting, though, is, of course, and Steve is exhausted uh, mentioning them because um, in the middle of the year, they basically ran Bruce Boudreaux out of town, um, and it appeared that it was because, like, the GM just wanted his guy, which was Rick Tockick, to, uh, to, uh, to, to set forth. Um, but, um, but, yeah, it was kind of unfair because the fans loved... Boudreaux and it, it like it didn't seem like he had to go and it was just they were kind of covering up for Vancouver not making great smart uh, decisions and it was Jim Rutherford is the GM that, uh, the name escaped me um, until I remembered it was Rutherford um, but yeah the, the thing that's interesting about the Canucks though was they started to win um, once uh, uh, Tockett was in place um, and, um, and now it's like, it was the second year in a row where they, um, when, as soon as they were out of the playoffs, they started to care somehow. Um, and, um, and they kind of like screwed themselves over when it comes to the draft. Um, so they are, you know, they're still a good team. Um, like they still have Elias Peterson, they still have Quinn Hughes, um, Andre Kuzmenko did did pretty well in his rookie year um, in the NHL. Um, he's not really a rookie, but um, you know, so we'll see. Um, but uh, yeah, in the in the grand scheme of things, it's like they're another like they're another team like Calgary, where it's like I don't know if what like it wouldn't surprise me if they make a run at the playoffs, but it also wouldn't surprise me if they are bad um, again. So yeah, we'll see. Um, yeah, what do you have on the Canucks? I would say they're worse than Calgary. In fact, I would say they're probably the most... Uh, uh, I mean... I wouldn't say that, though. There are teams that could be borderline the most dysfunctional team in the league. So I won't say they're most dysfunctional, but they're up there. Like, yeah, but like even still, like they're not like a terrible team. Like, Did you know that JT Miller had 82 points in 81 games last year? 
Uh, they have you know, Elias Pedersen had an even better season with 102 points. Um, so it's like they're not like that bad of a team. They just they just had a very very bad first half. Yes, but they also, in my opinion, have character flaws. Yeah. And they also have a fan base that don't trust the owner, have mm. been chirping the owner on Twitter, I still call it Twitter, uh, to get the hell out of Dodge and sell the team. But uh, here's the thing, also, here's the thing, Steve, the fans don't play the games. True, but, um, I mean, look, look at the 90s Canucks and tell me how that ended up. Yeah, but if if the Canucks start winning, fans will care less who's in charge. <laughs> once, once yeah, the, they'll stop caring as much. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and the thing like look at your like, senators. You guys hated Melnick, and then um, and then uh, and then you guys started winning. So, well, the the other thing is, I don't know if this group can turn it around. Like. They lost. Yeah, I guess that's another Brandon question. Quinn Hughes is their captain, and I think he can be a good leader. Yeah. But at the same time, he's uh, he's expected to just put up points, and now you're expecting him to lead after you know a very challenging year where you had the Bruce Boudreaux situation. Yeah. Here, you had all the turmoil in the front office over there, and you don't really have a sense of who's in charge and do you have faith of who's in charge is it Patrick Alvin? is it Jim Rutherford um, because pe- I think people have forgotten oh yeah Jim Rutherford uh, is, is, is in that front office and he was taking a lot of heat for how things were handled last year to start and the, the, the crazy part is they had another solid second half after a first half from hell mm. and the first half from hell cost them a playoff spot if they just played the way they did in the second half, we would probably feel differently about them. And now the worst case scenario is potentially going to happen where you have a guy like Elias Peterson in a contract. You're granted, you still have his rights, so if he doesn't like what he sees, at the very least, you have his rights and you can trade him wherever. Um, at, but you just have a very talented nucleus of players there Kuzvenko, as you mentioned, uh, just went off in his uh, yep. debut season with the team and good enough to extend him for another two years and give him Bo Horvat's old salary. That's great. But at the same time, I mean, you got what around Hughes and Elias Pearson and JT Miller and Kuzvenko. You have Ilya Mikhaev. Uh, you have Brock Besser, who struggled mildly. Yep. Speaking of guys in the doghouse that we expect to get traded at any moment. Uh, Connor Garland, another guy who's in the doghouse, expected to get traded at any moment. But Beauvillier could be a UFA after this season. Um, you have uh, Niels Hoglander and Vasily Podkolzin, who have struggled to develop properly, in my opinion. Uh, outside of that, you don't really have much outside of you know fringe NHL talents like uh, Phil, D- Phil D. Giuseppe, Dakota Joshua, and Jack Stanika, your boy, Jack Stanika. Yeah. Uh, and then on the blue line, you have guys like uh, Philip Aronik, who's an arbitration-eligible RFA, who um, is coming off his best career season. But, um, you know, outside of that, um, it's really tough to gauge what you're going to get out of him. You have mm. 
Tyler Myers is Kappa coming off the books this year, but he hasn't been the defensive uh, defenseman you expected. The only other defenseman who's committed beyond this year outside of Quinn Hughes is Carson Soucy. Yeah. And you just signed him to a three-year contract, and you're paying him $3.25 million, and he's currently 29 years old. <laughs> so you're, you're trying to do that on top of that. At least you did get uh, Carter. Uh, at least you did get yeah. Patrick Demko, uh, Casey DeSmith, uh, who I think is a more seasoned backup than Spencer Martin. So at the very least, I think you have somewhat of a plan B if Demko struggles. Um, and even if he's confident, I don't really know how much he can move the needle and keep the Canucks in the playoff race, at least for a full 82 games. Um, and they're going to have to win some games without him as well. Um, so, uh, and then on top of that, I mentioned Mikheyev earlier, he's coming off of you know, off-season surgery and abrupt end to a season last year. Um, there's also been uh, the Tanner Peterson stuff. Uh, they don't have to worry about that because he's off the roster. But again, that was another one of those stories where you question, okay, do we have the personnel in place that, you know, can do the job from the trainers onwards to the coaching staff, to the front office, to the players themselves. And if there's one thing I remember about the Vancouver Canucks last year, it's JT Miller yelling at, at uh, then third string goalie Colin Delia to go to the bench after a slight after Delia had a slight hesitation of whether or not to go to the bench, and it was just so dysfunctional. Everything was discombobulated, and it was a, really a nightmare season to forget. Even though record-wise, it wasn't as bad as we're perceived to think it is. If we have another season like that in Vancouver. And Peterson says, I've had enough, I want out. Man, I, I keep saying this, this could turn really bad really fast for the Canucks. And their, their fans don't deserve that. Their, their fans have been with them through thick and thin. They haven't seen a Stanley Cup championship. They've seen um, near swings and misses, but they, they've gone through enough turmoil and enough uh, mediocrity where they don't have to where they shouldn't have to go through another year of this but they might have to unfortunately yeah I guess I mean I, I don't think that they're going to make the playoffs again but I, I feel like this team may be better than you're making them out to be um, but yeah I mean we'll, we'll see I, I, I just hope they pick a lane yeah like, are you going to rebuild or are you going to be good? Yeah. Are you going to go for it? And no, no. Like, yeah. And and I I, I just That's fair. feel they're gonna they're gonna choose a pattern. I guess I'm just thinking because like I was, I like last year I thought that this team was a playoff team, so I put them in the playoffs, and then I was disappointed, um, and that was mostly yeah. because they uh, started off very badly, and then they picked it up towards the second half. And a same, like literally you, that, blown yeah. lead, that blown lead in the yeah. first game against Edmonton was a sign of things to yeah. come. They, yeah. I don't think they recovered from that. Right, right, right. But then, like the same thing, like they had like so, like it was two years in a row. What happened was they replaced Travis Crean with Bruce Boudreau, and then all of a sudden the Canucks started playing better. Um, and then, um, and then the same thing happened the the following year where they uh, they. Uh, start. They have a horrendous first half. Then they fire Bruce Boudreau and they add in Rick Tockett. 
Um, and then all of a sudden the Canucks start playing better, and then it's like two, for two years in a row where they start playing um, well, just like it was just too little, too late kind of thing. And um, so it could happen again where it's like, oh, they're they're uh, they're going to start off very slow, and then um, and then they'll fire Rick Tockett and hire a new guy, and then the new guy will will energize the team and then it will be too little too late uh so so maybe there is something to that where i feel like oh this it's just going to be the same thing where it's just like oh like what team are you going to get which is what you're saying i just i don't know i feel like there is also a chance where it's like oh we this could actually be the team that we're we're playing on scene i think rick talkett is a decent coach um so yeah, we'll see, but I, I guess I'm well, I'm prepared to be wrong. That's the other thing that right. could go south is, like, yeah. you have another nightmare first half, right. and the previous few years you fired the coach, yeah. so now what are you going to do? Right, right, right. Are, are you going to do it again, or yeah. are you actually going to be like, well, yeah. we're, we don't like to pay three coaches, so yeah. I guess we have to stick with this guy, just hope he rides it out, yeah, yeah. and we're fine by the end of the year. Yeah, yep. So, it, it, that's, that's the kind of position you put yourselves in yeah. if you're Canucks ownership. For sure. All right, we now go to the Stanley Cup champions. Um, they, um, they weren't that, they were really that uh, busy this year. I think a lot of that was because yeah, they always in, had... In terms of new faces, truth be told, I couldn't find anyone. I, I put in yeah. Robin Leonard if he's healthy. Yeah, yeah. That's the only guy on my list. Well, yeah, I was going to mention that a little bit later. But, yes, uh, so Robin Leonard, if he's healthy. They did sign uh, Barbashev. They did sign Eden Hill, Brett Howden, and uh, Quincy Patera and Dora Fayoff. Uh, the last three aren't as important. But, I mean, it is interesting that they signed uh, Eden Hill to a relatively long-term deal. Um, they also signed um, Ivan Barbashev got paid as well. Um, and yeah, so, got a five by five. yeah, five by five. Um, but it is interesting that they paid uh, Eden Hill uh, for uh, two more years, or sorry, three more years uh, worth four point nine million. No, no, you're you're right. The first time. Oh, it was, was it two, two years? And also four four point nine million. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and they also gave him a no trade clause. Yeah, yeah. So that that that's why it's interesting because it's like yeah, what well famously for Vegas is that they had. Um, so they had Robin Leonard, but then, like, almost like a week before the season, we find out that he's going to be gone due to surgery. So then Logan Thompson takes over, and he was pretty good. Um, and then he was gone in the second, um, in the first half of the year. So then they go out and, like, they trade for Jonathan Quick. Uh, who knows what they had with, oh, they had Lauren Poissois in the mix. They also pick up this guy named Eden Hill, who was, like, was okay in spurts in Arizona, but wasn't necessarily someone that you could really put your full trust in. And then when it comes to the playoffs, uh, they still don't have Logan Thompson. They still don't have Robin Leonard. And um, and then Broussois starts to kind of... Because um, Broussois was the guy for a little bit. Um, and meanwhile, they won the division <laughs> and um, with 101, 11 points. Um, even though they like they had this whole like goaltending situation, and the fact that like Mark Stone, who was their second best player, he only played forty three games for them, so he like missed the entire second half. Um, but anyways, in the playoffs, uh, Rossois 
isn't cutting it, so they put in Aiden Hill, and Aiden Hill starts to be like a Dominic Hasek type player, um, and he's incredible. Um, he actually, you know, during the regular season, I'm looking at his stats here, he had a 9.14 save percentage and a 2.5 GAA in 27 games. Um, and so, and of course, he had a good playoffs, of course, um, and so that, you know, it, we'll, we'll see what, if he can maintain that for the entire year. Um, and, you know, now that Logan Thompson's healthy, then, yeah, that's a good tandem. to. Uh, but it does make me wonder, because they signed Aiden Hill to this large contract, it does make me wonder, it's like, oh, they, they probably, like, they think Robin Leonard's just done for the rest of his career, which is pretty sad, because uh, he was one of the best goaltenders um, for quite some time. Um, but, um, but, yeah, the... We'll, we'll see what goes on, but I, I think we're... I, I would be surprised if we see Robin Leonard play this year. It seems like all these... The, all the people in the know have said that, like, yeah, it seems like Robin Leonard's not going to play. Um, so, so there's that. Um, in terms of guys who left, I did... Yeah, we don't have a, a ton of additions here, but in terms of guys who left, Riley Smith, Lauren Persuade, Phil Kessel, Jonathan Quick, Teddy Bluger, and Nolan Patrick... Um, are all gone, and maybe Robin Leonard, um, and we'll see. But, um, um, yeah, um, yeah, this is an interesting team because I feel like they were always, they've always been cap-strapped, um, and because, like, once they worry about Mark Stone getting back and fitting him under the cap once he was ready, then they had to worry about the fact, like, oh, right, now we have to worry about Robin Leonard, um, and um, and it doesn't t- tend to matter because uh, you know they they have a pretty good team still. Uh, Jack Eichel had sixty six points in sixty seven games. Um, Jonathan Marchessault had fifty seven points in seventy six games. Mark Stone, even when healthy, he had thirty eight points in forty three games. Um, so that's pretty good. Um, Chandler Stevenson with 65 points in 81 games. Um, I don't want to make this into like a <laughs> stat rollout here, but um, but yeah, it is interesting too because it's like Ivan Barbashev. He was also pretty good in the playoffs, um, but um, I don't know if he's worth five by five. Um, he had 45 points in 82 games. I don't think that's good enough to be worth it. I know that he was good in the playoffs and was an X-factor there, but um, I don't know about that necessarily working out for them, but I feel like that's kind of what happens with these Stanley Cup teams, is as soon as the team wins, they start paying a bunch of their like guys that they could probably lose um, and give them a lot of term, like the Washington Capitals have done and the Tampa Bay Lightning have done. Um, so that's just a thing that happens with um, with these teams, but I don't know if it's going to work out. I mean, the goaltending in particular has been the biggest yep. gamble for the Vegas Golden Knights because, um, you know, they they gave Mark andre Fleury a multi-year extension even though he was uh, heading yep. into his mid-third piece, and he had some good years there, but they eventually parted ways with him because they found a shiny new boy named Robin Leonard. Yep. And now, that shiny new toy emerges in Aiden Hill, and prior to that it was Logan Thompson, so it's just like, why are we paying $5 million to Robin Leonard? Who cares if he's injured? Like, we, we need to save money. We need to spend that elsewhere. And if there's one thing that Vegas is known for is being cutthroat 
in its approach for change. If you be if you appear to be dispensable, uh, they're not going to waste any time making a change and getting rid of you. And that's uh, the cruel, harsh part of uh, the business. And within the first six years, they were given a Stanley Cup, and they earned the Stanley Cup. And so we can't really say uh, didn't really lead to any success because it did. It yep. led to the ultimate prize they were looking at. Uh, so of course they're going to look pretty good. Um, Petrangelo had a pretty good season. I'm interested to see who has a better season, him or Shea Theodore. Uh, Brady McNabb has been an underrated stud uh, with Vegas. And um, I'm, I'm kind of wondering if uh, maybe he gets a higher leverage role than Alec Martinez or if the Martinez-Petrangelo uh, pairing remains intact. But I definitely think McNabb is is ready for a, an extra step forward. Uh, he is uh, slightly younger but uh, than Martinez, but he is 32 years old, mind you. But but at the same time, he is 6'4", um, which is uh, taller than Martinez. And um, he, he was a plus 17 uh, on the year and averaged roughly the same amount of ice time as Martinez. So depending on uh, what... They want to utilize him as via his better chemistry with Theodore. Petrangelo is also going to weigh in. But I definitely think uh, Brady McNabb, um, I don't know if he's worthy of the top pairing. I don't know if he can handle the top pairing. But at the very least, give him a shot and see what he can do. Get get your team a bit more variety. And then there's also Nick Haig as well, who had uh, some pretty solid AHL numbers, solid OHL numbers. But he's listed as uh, the third pairing uh, left-handed shot. Uh, behind Martinez and McNabb. Um, and there's not really a situation where he can shake that label unless, you know, one of those two guys gets injured. So yeah. uh, I mean, I'm interested to see if they give Nick Cage a bigger spot in, on the team, especially considering out of the defenseman. He's the only one below the age of 25. He's 24 currently, and he's also 6'6", which is pretty big. It's the same size as Aiden Hill. Um... In terms of depth forwards, losing Riley Smith sucks. Um, so they're going to have to hope that William Carlson kind of turns back the clock and has a pretty big, big season. Last year he had 53 points, which I think is respectable, but I'm talking like 60 to 70 points from Carlson. And also, the, the year Chandler Stevenson could have, um, he's entering a contract here. Um, and he got 65 points in 81 games, uh, regarded as one of their best players when all the injuries started to pile on. And uh, he was uh, making the most out of whatever situation he was in at the time. So um, I think who they have in goal, what they're going to get out of their goaltending tandem, and what you're going to get out of guys like Chandler Stevenson and William Carlson, the star players that are kind of outside the superstar threshold, but they need to perform in order for this team to really be at their best and maintain their position as the team to beat in the Pacific, the defending Stanley Cup champions, uh, defending that title. It's all going to run off the backs of those guys that when they pitch in, they make this team that much better. Um, so I'm largely picking them and also maybe Brendan Burson in terms of guys at training camp I'm interested to see what he can provide 
because um, they're running low on young talent, and I think with the salary cap crunch uh, potentially wreaking havoc on them moving forward, and it already has to an extent, um, that's where you're going to need guys like Brendan Brisson on entry-level deals to step yeah. up and uh, be productive in an NHL roster. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how that works. Yeah, I feel like for like Vegas or their philosophy on prospects is they don't necessarily um, they like they mostly just trade them out anyways. Um, and like I, I mean, they know, had three first yeah. round picks in their first draft, and they traded away two of the three. Yeah, and, and one of them was Nick Suzuki. Yeah, well, didn't they? Tr- they traded all three of them, haven't they? Because it was Brandstrom, Glass, and oh my Suzuki. god, yeah, they did. <laughs> so, um, yeah, although to be fair, they did get Mark Stone yeah. out of trading one of them, Brandstrom. But yeah, yeah. I mean, you could have probably used Nick Suzuki right about now. Yeah, yeah. Same. And um, Cody Glass, I forget who they got in that that deal, but. Um, but like you know, uh, I think that was I yeah. think that was a three way deal with the Flyers and the Predators. Oh yeah, yeah something like that. It was yeah. The Ryan Ellis trade. Oh, that's right. That's right. And I think they got I think they got Nolan Patrick out of that somehow. That's right. Okay, so so yeah, they were, I was gonna say though that like the one that they really will regret is Nick Suzuki, but I mean, I guess Cody Glass yeah. could be something, but I mean, Brandstrom hasn't really he turned could be out. Could bloomer, yeah. Nice we'll see. Um, okay, uh, but yeah, no, I, I just feel like they, um, they don't necessarily, um, like, they have, like, a, they don't necessarily develop their prospects, and that's not their bag, really, uh, so, so maybe they're, like, they'll, they'll probably eventually trade Brisson, I would imagine, we'll see them. Um, in terms of the, uh, top three in these the Pacific that we normally do. Um, I guess I'll go first here. I'm going to go... Um, yeah, I, I think we're both aligned that it's going to be Edmonton, Vegas, and L.A. in some order. Um, I guess Seattle could make some noise, too. Um, but I think Seattle will probably get a wild card. Um, so I'm going to go with Vegas, Edmonton, L.A. Um, and then I'll just have to remember that I have Seattle as my one wild card team uh, in the West. Yeah, I think uh, in terms of where everything falls in in this division, um, Seattle, I would say, is the fourth team in the mix there. Um, and I think they could even teeter towards 100 points if they play their cards right. Yeah. Wouldn't surprise me at all. Uh, but that being said, Vegas is the defending Stanley Cup champions. They did keep a lot of their roster together, at least the big pieces from the cup run that they acquired, uh, particularly Barbashev and Hill. And yep. both of them perform as well as they did last year. Vegas is, is swimming. They're fine. So, uh, for the moment, I would say Vegas is the front runner. although uh, similar to last year, it will be close uh, for, for most of the year, and I think uh, down the stretch, they're going to have to have two to three really solid weeks just to separate themselves officially from the pack. 
Um, in terms of the second scene, I was hemming and hawing between L.A. and Edmonton. I ended up going with L.A. Well. Because the odds of Talbot and Riddick and Copley being their tandem for the entire season, I'm sorry that is not happening. They are going to upgrade at some point. I don't know who. Hmm. It'll probably be Hellebuck if I had to guess because he's a rental. But it could be... <laughs> In a roundabout way, John Gibson, although they might have to wait to see if the Ducks trade him elsewhere, and then they might have to trade for him again. Yep. Uh, but why, why, why would that happen? They'd probably just go to a team in the East and be done with it. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Um, but I, either way, uh, they are going to upgrade in goal. Do you think uh, the Ducks care... Uh, do you think the Ducks care that if they trade Gibson to, uh, to like a team in the same state? I don't know. Because they, yeah. If they want to get full value, but again, if if you're if you're deep in a battle with a team and you're that pity, yeah. Uh, it, it depends it on the if, we'll if I was making the deal, I wouldn't give I wouldn't uh, give a damn. I know. I really wouldn't. Yeah. But for some reason, I think there's no chance that yeah. John Gibson would. Uh, would do yeah, it, yeah. Like, why, like, I'm sure that... Right, because he has a no-trade clause, yeah. Prime to the Ducks that they were it also seems like he's been so, like, um, topsy-turvy with, with this, where he's saying, like, oh, I, I actually don't want to get traded, even though it's, like, this is the second time where there's been this confusion that he has requested a trade. I, oh, I just remember we have Trevor Zegers, not yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. One more year and we'll see. Right, right, right. So, so, like, there is, like, I feel like he's so, like, non-committal, but, like, at the same, so it's, like, it's very, it's very, um, so it, even if he, he is so resistant to getting traded that, like, if he were to go out there, I don't know if it would be at L.A., um, Unless he, like, I don't know if he even has kids, but maybe that, that has something to do with it, where he just wants to stay in California for the kids who are in, so that the kids don't have to move schools. But, um, so maybe there's something to that, but uh, it would be funny. Um, yeah. Anyway. So, um, I, I think the Oilers' inconsistencies, uh, that being said, uh, the Kings, in terms of offensive depth, I trust their defense. They're up, going to upgrade their goal thing at some point. They take second. Yep. Uh, the Oilers won nine straight, and they finished five points ahead of the Kings for second in the division. I think they're going to finish third in this one, though. They have some inconsistencies. They don't really have the cap space to necessarily grade to fix those inconsistencies. And while Los Angeles doesn't necessarily have the world to offer any team, they definitely have uh, more freedom to do so than the Oilers do. And they have a better situation upgrade. So that being said, I think the Oilers are going to be good. McDavid and Tricell are probably going to be one, two in scoring again, uh, whether we like it or not. But um, I think the Oilers are probably going to be third in the Pacific because Vegas is going to be Vegas, and uh, I like the Kings outside more. Uh, yeah. But I will also mention that. Uh, Seattle last year finished four points behind the Oilers, and they still had a top five offense in the league. In fact, they had nine more goals scored than Edmonton, and one fewer goal had given up uh, compared to the Oilers as well. Mm. So they shouldn't be underestimated in this race. Last year they got 100 points. Uh, I can see reality where they do that again this year. Uh, but, I mean, 
with McDavid and Dreisaitl, uh, the Oilers are at least the top three teams. So I'm going to take them at three, put the Kraken at four. Um, and uh, yeah, that's basically my pick. I'm not going to say if the Kraken have enough to make the playoffs, although uh, on paper they probably do when you consider who's in the central. But uh, we'll, we'll talk about that next week when we come to it. But yeah, uh, long story, long drawn out story short, a Vegas wins the division, followed by LA, followed by Edmonton, and Seattle not far behind. Yep, yep. Okay. Um, so that's that does it for us here at Lace Em Up. You can follow us on Twitter at Lace Up Podcast. Our Facebook is Lace Em Up. You can also uh, subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever else you get your podcasts um, at Lace Em Up. Um, that's about it. I'm Brett Dubuff. I'm Steve Ellsworth. We'll talk again in episode 381 of the Lace Em Up Podcast.